Good morning. This morning we're recording in St. David's Church in Lecha, and it's really good to have the company of Dorothy Dancer, the People's Warden. She'll be reading for us. Barbara Jones will be leading us in prayer, and Liz Williams, our lay reader, will be speaking for us today. I hope that as we spend this time together, we'll be brought a little bit closer to Jesus and perhaps challenged to be a little bit more like him too. So let me pray for us as we begin our time together. Go before us, Lord, in all our doings. Further as we pray with your continual help, so that everything we do, begun, continued and ended in you, might always seek to glorify your holy name. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.
A reading from Matthew chapter 20, verses 20 to 28. The mother of Zebedee's sons came before him with her sons. She bowed low and begged a favour. What is it you wish? asked Jesus. I want you, she said, to give elders that in your kingdom my two sons here may sit next to you, one at your right and the other at your left. Jesus turned to the brothers and said, You do not understand what you are asking. Can you drink the cup that I am to drink? We can, they replied. Then he said to them, You shall indeed share my cup, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. It is for those to whom it has already been assigned by my father. When the other ten heard this, they were indignant with the two brothers. So Jesus called them to him and said, You know that in the world rulers lord it over their subjects, and their great men make them feel the weight of authority. But it shall not be so with you. Among you, whoever wants to be great must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be willing to slave of all. Like the Son of Man, he did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give up his life as a ransom for many. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
I must say, it brought a smile to my face after reading the passage we have just heard, imagining those, imagining these two burly fishermen with their mother who kneels before Jesus and asks that her two sons sit at his right and left hand in the kingdom of heaven. Today's gospel reading shows once again mankind has not changed. It is teaching us a lesson. Mankind is taught, but does not listen. We are innately self-centred and desire to gain for ourselves whatever we can. Modern people are no different from people of ancient times. The lesson Jesus teaches us and teaches his disciples in the text we heard is just as relevant today in this modern world. Archaic, out of date, behind the times, they suppose mankind has advanced beyond the wisdom of scriptures. Technology has advanced so immensely since Bible times, and mankind can zip through the air faster than the speed of sound, and communication can come to us at the speed of light over thousands of miles in full color pictures. Technology has changed, mankind has not. We are still the same as we've always been. It would be nice if people were getting smarter and more wiser than the biblical Solomon, but that's not the case. Every generation wants to think that it's smarter and wiser and better than the previous one. But all too often, it repeats the same mistakes as the previous generation. What's the reason for the new generation making these mistakes? They fail to listen to the previous generation, but it's not enough just to know the history to keep from repeating it. You have to pay attention to its lessons. The mother of Zebedee, uh, sorry, the mother of the sons of Zebedee came to Jesus with her sons requesting they sit on the right hand and the other on the left hand of Jesus in his kingdom. Second and third in command, so to speak. But Jesus said to her, however, you don't know what you're asking for. And he asks them if they are able to drink of the cup that he's about to. Now this is addressed to James and John really, and not to their mother. They eagerly reply that they are. Jesus tells them that they will, but it is up to the Father in heaven who will decide who will sit at the right and left of him in the kingdom. Did they understand what Jesus meant by drinking of the cup that he was about to do? Because by this he meant that he would die and so would many others who believed in him and die for the faith. He explained again that just as Gentile leaders lord over them, it's not so among the, the disciples. Whoever wishes to be great among you will be your servant, he tells them. Just as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as ransom for many. The first thing we note in today's texts is that it's a mother's request. It's a bold request and it may be because she was so close to the family or even related to Jesus, possibly his mother's sister as tradition puts it. This might account for the boldness of the request, because it's not uncommon for people to use their relatives or other relationships that they have developed 
as a means to achieve some greater position for themselves. There's a lot of truth in the saying, it is not what you know, but who you know. Positions being filled by the person with the best connections. In this case, we see the mother of James and John seeking to use her close relationship to gain prominent position for her sons. She comes to seek Jesus and seeking gain for her sons and really for herself as well because she would have bragging rights. My two sons sit on the left and the right of the king. But then again, this is the way of the world. Telling them they would have to be able to drink of the cup, that is, suffer for their faith. This should have been a sobering reminder of what he had just told them in the verses just before our reading about going to Jerusalem, where he would suffer many things, be delivered to the priests, be condemned to death, and delivered to the Gentiles and crucified. The quickness of their answer that they had, been, they had been able to drink of the cup shows that they had not taken into full consideration all that would mean. They, like Peter, would later boastfully claim to be able to do something they're not yet prepared to do. They were bold, and that's part of the reason Jesus nicknamed them the Sons of Thunder. They and the other disciples had argued about this before and were rebuked for it by Jesus in the previous chapter. The only, then only shortly before this, Jesus had told them about what he was going to suffer in Jerusalem in just a few days. Really, this is what they should have been considering, but James and John wanted to know what was in it for them. Too often, we are no different. Even our prayers centre on what we want, rather than on God's glory and honour. They claimed they were prepared and able to drink of that cup that Jesus was about to drink. In fairness to John, only he and Peter followed Jesus after he was arrested. The other disciples, including James, ran away. Peter didn't, later denied Jesus, but John remained faithful. He was the only disciple at the foot of the cross. This showed that perhaps he was prepared. Jesus tells them they would indeed drink from it, but Jesus also tells them that it was the Father's will as to who would sit at the left and right hand of him in the kingdom. Jesus is completely submissive to the Father. It also reminds us that all we get from God is according to his grace, including rewards given to us for our faithful service. We do not earn them. We simply receive what it is that his good will will grant us. It was wrong for James and John and their mother to desire the prominent positions from Jesus and demonstrated that they were still largely infected with the world's values. We're told in the text that when the other ten disciples heard what James and John and their mother had done, they became indignant. It was not because of concern for Jesus and what he would be facing, but because they were trying to gain a higher position over them. All of them were still infected with the world's values for positions and of, of prominence and power. 
If you ask a person on the street what success is, most people would say money, prestige, position, power or fame. These, however, will come to an end. From the eternal point of view, they are a dead end. Yet at this point, the disciples were still infected with worldliness. The disciples wanted to be great in God's kingdom. But they thought of it in terms of worldly standards. Jesus takes his opportunity then to teach them how to be truly great. The drive within people is to control their future, and that means being able to control those around them as well. The corrupting influence of power is that it uh, whets the appetite a little, and more power is sought. And the means by which it is gained becomes less important as long as it is gained. Many of us have worked under such kind of people. Most of us have had to deal with some, at some time with some government bureaucrat who long ago forgot they were there to serve the people, but instead think that they are there to command and issue orders to the people. In the last verse of our text, Jesus is himself an example of what it means to be great in the kingdom of what it means to be a servant and a slave. Jesus did not come to exercise his power over man, to make man serve him. He came to serve man and pay a ransom price to redeem mankind. Jesus did not die on the cross that we could live in happy circumstances, but our bondage to sin could be broken so we could be reconciled to God. And have eternal and have eternal relationship with him. Jesus' example is what should be the benchmark for our lives. The disciples continued to bicker about who's the greatest until Jesus had been crucified and was risen from the dead. Then, with the coming of the Holy Spirit, they really began to live for Christ rather than themselves. Scripture tells us that. Holy Spirit now dwells in every true believer. And we've got to think, does the Holy Spirit dwell in us? Is there evidence? Or are we still seeking after what the world values or what God values? To be a Christian means to follow Christ, to be a person who is being conformed into his image. Amen.
Shall we pray? We're asked today to pray for West Radnor Ministry Area and for the Scottish Episcopal Church and his Primus Mark Strange. We pray for Andrew John, Bishop of Bangor, and the electors involved in the appointment of a new bishop. We also pray for Adrian, our vicar, Reverend Andrew, Elizabeth, Glynn, and their families. Heavenly Father, the source of all mercy and love, may we always seek to do your will in our lives. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Father, our prayers today go out to the people of Germany and Belgium, where continual rainfall has resulted in massive floods, destroying homes and buildings, and more than 120 people have lost their lives, and 1,300 are still missing. By your Spirit, be with those who are in distress, and strengthen the rescue teams in their work. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord, we pray for the region of Marseille in France, where thousands of people have been evacuated because of raging forest fires. Compassionate Lord, we pray for those who have been devastated by these recent disasters, and we remember those who have lost their lives so suddenly. We hold in our hearts the families of both countries, forever changed by grief and loss. Bring them comfort and surround them with our love and prayers. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. Lord, we pray that you will bless our church as we wait for the day when all the congregation may come to you in prayer, praise you and follow your example when we see the needs of others and help them in your name. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Father, we pray for Elizabeth, our Queen, as she continues with her duties. We hold her in our hearts and prayers and we thank her for her faithful service to us for many years. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We're all having more freedom as the rules and regulations are being changed this week by week. As we have the second highest number of COVID-19 cases in the world, we pray that you will give wisdom to our government as they continue to find ways of keeping us safe while trying to bring our lives back to something near normal. Help us to be patient and tolerant in our efforts to keep everyone safe. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And we pray for ourselves as we look to Jesus as the only way we can come safely through everything that is happening in our world today. We put our trust in him now and always, our loving, risen Saviour, Jesus Christ. Merciful Father, accept these prayers for the sake of your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen.
It's been so good to have you with us. I hope that as you begin a new week, you'll remember that we're here for you. If there's any support we can offer you, then please don't hesitate to be in touch. We are always here and we'd love to hear from you. But as we begin this new week together, let me pray for God's blessing on us. The peace of God which passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and your minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit be upon you and remain with you always. Amen.